Hi, everybody. Good evening, and thank you for not clapping. My mother would be proud of all of you for not clapping. My mother always taught me you never clap in church. And so, and I'm also grateful that the Blessed Sacraments reposed. Uh, that, that's a little too intimidating for me to speak in front of. Father began with uh, a wonderful prayer that, that I think is a beautiful um, testament to St. Joseph. There's another prayer that St. Pius X wrote in the early 1900s to St. Joseph the Worker, and I'm just going to read it because I want you to hear it, and I'm going to read it fairly slowly because there's a lot to it, as is uh, St. Pius X's case often. His his prayer goes something like this. O glorious St. Joseph, model of all who labor, obtain for me the grace to work in the spirit of penance, in expiation for my numberless sins, preferring devotion to duty to my inclinations, to work with joy and gratitude, regarding it as an honor to develop and employ by work the gifts which I have received from God, to work in order, peace, patience, and moderation, without ever recoiling before weariness and difficulties, to work especially with a pure intention and detached from myself, ever having death before my eyes and the account which I must give for time lost, for talents unused, for good omitted, and for vain satisfaction in success, all so fatal to the work of God. Amen. There's a lot in that prayer, and I'd like to unpack it, but not yet. I'd like us to walk away from uh, from this evening with three things. The first is a desire to perfectly balance our work life with our prayer and family life. The second is a bit of excitement to pursue some leisure activity that is interesting and beautiful, as I have with wood. That has been a huge gift to me. And then the third is an appreciation for how St. Joseph can be a model for all of us as we attempt to do those first two things. I am proud to be the only non-ordained speaker in the lineup uh, in this crew. It's a wonderful lineup of speakers, and I think part of it is because they don't have time to do woodworking like I do. And I make time to do woodworking. Father has said that I am an amateur woodworker. I I like to think of myself as an amateur in the best sense of that term, one who learns how to work with wood. And I must say that in the past three years, it it has been taken to new heights. I decided at one point that I wanted to build a timber frame cabin, but as is my my nature, I couldn't just build a a, a cabin someplace. I had to build a timber frame cabin. And I don't know if you know what timber frame is, but timber frame construction is built out of large beams. My beams are 10 by 10, 8 by 10, some are 12 by 12, and my cross beams are 10 by 14. Now those are heavy, 
And I thought, you know, I don't know how I'm going to move those things around. Uh, but I figured all of that out. But the first thing that I had to learn was, okay, where am I going to get these things? And uh, I thought, well, I got to call some people who know something about sawing and cutting trees into, into cants or large timbers. So I called around and I thought, wow, that's expensive to buy those darn trees or to buy those cants the way they are. And so I thought, huh, well, if I've got to spend that much money to buy the, 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 the square timbers, why don't I instead buy a sawmill and then cut the trees myself into timbers and then cut the timbers myself into joinery and then join them all together? And so me being who I am, I, that's what I did. I bought a sawmill and I saved 20% on what it would have cost me if I had bought all of those timbers myself from somebody who had cut them for me. Now, although I would like to do that in absolutely everything that I do, I can't. I know that uh, I can't just go out and pick up things because other people can do them for us and we, uh, I don't have time to do that anyway. So, um, I'm working on this timber frame cabin I've been working on it in my wood shop at home, and I've got beams as long as 32 feet, which is that end of that pew there to that end of that pew there. They're 10 inches wide and 14 inches tall. And I gotta tell you, I'm having so much fun. I'm thinking, Joseph must have had a terrific time in his wood shop doing all of these things. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, I love being a headmaster. I love doing what it is that, that God has called me to do in that part of my life. But I will say this. When I look at the Amish and the way they put their barns together, and this is the type of thing that I'm talking about. There's not a screw or a nail in this whole thing. It is all pegged together with oak, wooden oak pegs that are about an inch in diameter and, and the full length, and the whole thing is held together that way. Now, I once read an article that my wife gave me. This is do-it-yourself on steroids. That's, that's what it feels like some days for me. It's do-it-yourself on steroids because I love doing all of these things. In fact, there are moments where uh, I, I, uh, I long to be in the wood shop. In addition, I look out my window while I'm on the phone with somebody in, in my office over here. And you know, St. Paul has some terrific oak trees. And, and, and I look across at these oak trees, and there's one in the backyard of the guy that's right across from my office, and it's got this terrific crotch where the, where, the, where the two sides go up like this, and I'm thinking, you know, if you just cut those two crotches and manage that at about 10 feet, you could make some beautiful tables out of that red oak tree. Now, uh, I haven't asked permission to cut down his tree. I won't cut it down. Uh, but I will say this, when the city came and removed one of the trees because it was dying in front of uh, St. Agnes School, I ran out and I said, hey, can you just leave that there for me so that I can use it in something for St. Agnes? And so they did. And then the next day they left me a couple along the next block that were, that were white maple. And I thought, oh, I can, I can make some great things out of this stuff. Now, I've got timbers laying around in my driveway. And my wife is a saint for putting up with the number of things that she has to drive around in the obstacle course that is our, our driveway and into our garage. 
Now, I love the beauty of wood. I love the smell of wood. I love how it feels to work with it. And I love how it goes together. And I think there's something about when you cut the bark off of a tree and you, you look at that, the beauty of that grain for the first time, and no one has ever seen that, except perhaps God, uh, and, and I'm seeing it for the first time, there's something beautiful in that that I think um, gives me a, a rather peculiar joy. And, uh, and I have to believe that St. Joseph had that similar joy when he was doing woodwork with Jesus out in his shop. So, there are moments where I, I think, I hope St. Joseph would be proud of the beauty of the work that I'm doing. I'll tell you a little bit later about some other things that I've worked on, but um, uh, more so, I hope he would be proud of the manner in which I do that work, the manner in which I work with my kids, like I hope to imitate Joseph in. Uh, the other day, my son came in, bothered me in the shop, and said, Papa, can we go out and shoot some baskets? I want to play a game of pig. And I thought, oh, Lord. And St. Joseph, what would you have done in this situation? What did I do? I put my tools down, I went outside, and I played basketball with my son for 20 minutes, and then I walked back in and did more work. Um, but I think Joseph... I think Joseph would have done these types of things. He would have known the priority of Jesus in, in his life. But one thing that I know Joseph wouldn't be proud of in me is when I drop my chisel, the words that come from my mouth of impatience. And, uh, and I know that that's a place where I have to go as even in that prayer by St. Pius X. That's all a long introduction to Joseph, St. Joseph as model of artisans. An artisan is simply a worker in a skilled trade, especially one that involves making things by hand. I don't consider myself an artist, though others may consider me that, but I do consider myself an artisan. I work in a skilled trade, uh, and it involves making things with my hands. I think the artisan title is a beautiful title. It reminds us that St. Joseph was fully human, that he was talented, hardworking, with an eye for beauty and quality. It also reminds us that we are called to put our talents and creativity to use. You might think that being the foster father of our Lord and Savior and the spouse of Our Lady would be enough to ask. But God bless St. Joseph with a trade, and he practiced that trade with integrity and skill. We, too, can be sanctified in our daily lives by seemingly the little things we do to glorify God. And I think Joseph did that well. So I want to concentrate first on a couple of aspects of St. Joseph's modeling of artisanship. The first is his artistry. I want, to, I want to just quote St. Francis of Assisi, and I'm, not going to, I'm going to add another sentence at the end. I hope you'll be patient with me, even though St. Francis is holier than I am. I'm happy to just add one sentence. He who works with his hands is a laborer. He who works with his hands and his head is a craftsman. He who works with his hands and his head and his, and his heart is an artist. And my sentence 
He who works with his hands, head, heart, and soul is St. Joseph. So you can be a laborer, you can be a craftsman, you can be an artist, or you can be a saint like St. Joseph. And I think we're called, all of us, to be saintly like St. Joseph. So there's an artistry to that which uh, St. Joseph was about. There's also a proper approach to work in all of this. And that's where I'm going to concentrate some of the time we have here. There's a divine value to work. We are co-creators with God, and we exercise legitimate stewardship over creation. In Laborum Exertions, St. John Paul II writes, Work is a good thing for man, a good thing for his humanity, because through work man not only transforms nature, adapting it to his own needs, but he also achieves fulfillment as a human being, and indeed, in a sense, becomes more a human being. Unquote. Joseph worked with Jesus. I wonder what that was like. As I was praying the stations with you all tonight, I thought, I wonder what Joseph was doing. Joseph is so hidden in the scriptural text. He's so hidden from view. I wonder what he was doing while Jesus was, uh, was walking the way of the cross, falling, and so on. Where was Joseph? We know where Mary was. Where was Joseph? But Joseph was with Jesus all of those 30 hidden years prior to his public ministry. And Joseph is considered by Father Reginald Garagou-Lagrange. I don't know how many of you know uh, of his work, but he was Pope John Paul II's favorite theologian, Father Reginald Garagou-Lagrange. He wrote a wonderful book called Life Everlasting. If you ever want to learn about eschatology and the the four last things, feel free to pick up Life Everlasting by Garagou-Lagrange. But... uh, He was said to be the foster father and the protector of the word made flesh. Joseph was responsible to remain hidden and to keep Jesus hidden during the first part of his life. Joseph watched over Jesus, protected him, and contributed to his human education, most specifically working with wood. Some say that Joseph probably worked with metal too. So, Bill Bazer, wherever you are in your metal working, in your sheet metal working, I think Joseph worked with metal too. Jesus obeyed Joseph when he was in the workshop building things, according to Reginald Garagou-Lagrange. Jesus spent many years in St. Joseph's workshop, diligently working. Joseph appears to be the humblest of the saints after Mary, a humble carpenter. But Joseph sanctifies work. John Paul II said, and I quote, At the workbench where he plied his trade together with Jesus, Joseph brought human work closer to the mystery of redemption. So important is work to us, even though I think many of us consider it to be uh, a result of the fall. We were condemned to toil on the earth there's a way in which Joseph and Jesus rescue work for us and redeem it. Joseph was a model workman. He believed that hard work benefits the person and the family and society. Joseph was a member of the working class, 
some of us would say, of the working poor. He understood that work is not always easy or even pleasant, that putting in a hard day's work can be taxing on the mind, the body, and the soul. St. Joseph can teach us how to be diligent workers, but also how to make time for God, for recreation, and for rest. As humans, our tendency in work revolves around the need for sufficiency. You all know that virtue is the mean between two vices. The one vice is the vice of deficiency or insufficiency, not enough. And the other vice is the vice of excess. Working the right amount with the right attitude in the right intensity in the right amount is what Joseph shows us to do. That's the virtue of sufficiency in work. The vice of deficiency is sloth. Sloth being the failure to fulfill one's basic duties, especially vis-a-vis work. It is working with too little effort or intensity. And then we have the vice of excess, which tends toward workaholism, working too much with too little attention to family, to leisure, or to prayer, and not enough room for God. Joseph found sufficiency. To what side do you err in your own heart? Is it toward working too much? Is it in working too little? Is it in working with very little intensity? And there is where God wants to redeem all of us with regard to work. I'm happy in all honesty before the Blessed Sacrament here to say that mine is toward excess. I tend to work too much. And so it's very good for me that my son comes and summons me from the workshop to play basketball with him outside. There's a proper order to things that Joseph understood. God and family were first. Work was third. God, family, work. There are also a number of other things that I think Joseph shows us as a good example, one of which is that working is not a quest for riches. Enough is enough. We must be content with what we have rather than what we wish we had. Our goal has to be not to store up treasures for ourselves on earth, but rather to store up our treasures in prayer and in family. Because where our treasures are, there will also our hearts be. So we have to be resolved. Joseph would ask us to resolve to be sanctified through our jobs. We need to guard against working too much and becoming workaholics. People who work too much do so for unhealthy reasons. And becoming a workaholic is not God's will for us. I'm going to ask you a series of 20 questions, and I'll give you a context for it after we're finished. I want you to answer yes or no to each of these questions in your own mind, and feel free to count them on your hands how many times you answer yes. Okay? You can close your eyes if you like. If you're uncomfortable with that, fine, leave them open. I'll give you 20. Are you more drawn to your work or activity than to close relationships or to rest? 
Are there times when you are motivated and push through tasks when you don't even want to, and other times when you procrastinate and avoid them when you would prefer to get things done? Do you take work with you to bed on weekends and on vacation? Are you more comfortable talking about your work than about other topics? Do you pull all-nighters Do you resent your work or the people at your workplace for imposing so many pressures on you? Do you avoid intimacy with others and yourself? Do you resist rest when tired and use stimulants to stay awake longer? Read caffeine. Do you take on extra work or volunteer commitments because you are concerned that things won't otherwise get done? Do you regularly underestimate how long something will take and then rush to complete it? Do you immerse yourself in activities to change how you feel or avoid grief, anxiety, and shame? Do you get impatient with people who have other priorities besides work? Are you afraid that if you don't work hard all the time, you will lose your job or be a failure? Do you fear success, failure, criticism, burnout, financial insecurity, or not having enough time? Do you try to multitask to get more done? Do you get irritated when people ask you to stop doing what you're doing in order to do something else? Have your long hours caused injury to your health or relationships? Do you think about work or other tasks while driving, conversing, falling asleep, or sleeping? Do you feel agitated when you are idle and are hopeless that you'll ever find balance? Do you feel like a slave to your email, texts, or other technology? If you answered yes to three or more, you may be a workaholic. That's right off of the Workaholics Anonymous website. Now, I, to be fair, I answered yes to four. But it was a couple of more, just sometimes. Sometimes. Um, but you're not alone. I think in the United States, we tend to work too much. But there's always hope. And hope is found in, uh, in prayer and, uh, and through the intercession of St. Joseph because he had a proper understanding of work. So how do we overcome our addiction to work, those of us who have it? As I've said, we pray. We need to learn how to prioritize important things first and see accidents and interruptions as opportunities for growth not allow ourselves to add activities with taking, without taking some away, allow more time than we think we need to complete a task, schedule time to play. This is very important for workaholics. Schedule time to play. And do not turn play into a work project. My spiritual director years ago said to me, ask your children to teach you how to play with them. It was a huge gift for me to learn that. 
I would go and I'd say, okay, it's Saturday morning. What would you like to play? And man, they came up with all kinds of creative ideas. And usually my back hurt after they were finished. <laughs> we need to concentrate on one thing at a time. Rest when, before we get tired. Relax and remain alert when situations confront us that trigger feelings of pressure in us. Admit weaknesses and mistakes. This is one of those that's very difficult for us as Catholics. Balance work with efforts to develop personal relationships. And do a good examination of conscience regarding your attitude toward work each evening. I built this thing. I pulled it out of Mr. Dada's room. It's about six, it's five and a half years old. And I, clear, I can see where he puts his foot on it every day. It's worn down. Now you could say, Kevin, you needed to have called Bill Bazer to put a sheet of metal down on the base so that he didn't damage it each time. But we always live and learn. Uh, I built this. I built four of them for, for different classrooms. And then a couple years later, a number of people asked for them. And I called a friend, and he built another 12. Uh, I said, I don't have time to build all kinds of these things. That prayer right there, I'm just going to walk over to it for a second. I stole this out of the sister's chapel. And this prayer, uh, I made eight of them when the sisters first arrived. And they've got this cute little book box in them. And it goes open that far. They put their books in them, and then they close them, and their books are, are set away. The sisters have prayed at this ever since, or at these, since they arrived. I matched this to the pews inside of the sisters in the convent chapel, and uh, that's one of my proudest inventions. And what's interesting is, Father and I actually visited the sisters in, um, in Ann Arbor, and I saw how their how theirs worked there, and I thought, i got to make some of those for our sisters. And I said, I'm going to make 12. And Father looks at me and he says, Kevin, make eight. You don't need 12. Well, the first summer after they arrived, 12 sisters came to the convent for the summer to do their summer, their summer work. Father, we needed 12. Now, I was glad to be done with eight. Uh, after two, they get a little tiresome, a little burdensome, but I loved making them for the sisters. So, I've got these beautiful praedus, and I took them based on the design that, uh, that came actually from the people who manufactured them for the convent. And then one of the sisters said to me when, when she first arrived, she said, you know, Dr. Ferdinand, these are more comfortable than the ones in the convent. And I, I wasn't sure if, if that was good or bad. I thought, you know what, they need to be ascetic. They don't, they don't get the chance to, to, to be uh, comfortable. They're supposed to, and I thought, they kneel enough. So I, my conscience was uh, completely at rest because uh, the sisters can kneel at those things and, uh, and be comfortable at least. Uh, they can be in their ecstatic visions of God without, uh, without worrying that their knees are hurting. So those are white oak. This is walnut. Uh, I made the main office desk. For those of you who've been into the main office at the school, that's out of walnut. Um, and I I always, I'm always amazed at, at how much these things cost. You know, the, the McGough Construction came in and they said, well, you know, it's going to cost probably $15,000 for a front desk. I said, what? $15,000? I said, no way. 
So I said, you know what, what if, what if the school just buys the material and I build the thing? And I built this beautiful 12-foot desk. It was so much fun for me to, to build. And that's going to be there after I'm dead. And I'm happy for that to be one of my contributions to, to the school. That's a gift that I can give back, and it's a way that I can tithe and pray with the school. I also built the control desk in the back of the auditorium and all the tables that are in the commons. Um, so those are, those are things that I have built. Um, today, I've been working on a 10-foot table, and the base, Bill Bazer is welding for me out of steel. So he's got this quarter-inch thick Three foot by five, uh, five foot by three foot base. He's welding two pieces at a 45 degree angle of six inch by six inch uh, steel. And then I'm, we're going to set a, a, a flat piece on top of it. And then I'm going to screw a walnut slab to the top of it that has, a, that has a lot of figure and is live edge on the edges. That is so much fun. I am having so much fun doing these things. And it's so pretty that uh, I, I, I got to tell you, there are moments where I'm eager to go home on Friday. No offense to the school and to Father. I, I love being here. But I get to be a co-creator with God in things like St. Joseph and Jesus did. I started those predus the, the Good Friday before the sisters came. That whole day, I was in silence. I listened to no media, and I prayed as I, as I hoped Joseph and Jesus would in my, uh, in my woodshop. I invite you to be co-creators with God in whatever way you, you are called to do work. I also invite you to think about, are there hobbies that could be helpful, that help round out your creativity and our need for beauty? This is a beautiful, beautiful church. And... I have to say, it calls our hearts to, uh, to God. I asked for us to walk away with three things this evening. A desire to balance work life with prayer and family life. A bit of excitement to pursue some leisure activity that is interesting and beautiful and an appreciation for how St. Joseph can be a model for you as you attempt to do those two. I'm going to close with the prayer that I started with. It's the prayer uh, that St. Pius X wrote on St. Joseph, and I want us to concentrate on the different parts of it, and I'll say it slowly. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. O glorious St. Joseph, model of all who labor, obtain for me the grace to work in the spirit of penance in expiation for my numberless sins, preferring devotion to duty to my inclinations, to work with joy and gratitude, regarding it as an honor to develop and employ by work the gifts which I have received from God. To work with order, peace, patience, and moderation without ever recoiling before weariness and difficulties. 
to work especially with a pure intention and detached from myself, ever having death before my eyes and the account which I must give for time lost, for talents unused, for good omitted, and for vain satisfaction and success, so fatal to the work of God. Amen. St. Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you, and thanks for not clapping. My mother would be proud of you.